News Network. Disney threatens the service formerly known as Twitter. Elon Musk stands up to monetary blackmail to nervous applause during an interview. Now the left will respond and they don't play nice. Ask Alex Jones. And you know what Musk and Jones have in common? It's been proven they both tell the truth. And so do we. We're TNN, the Truth News Network. And here's your dose of fact for the day with Dan Newman. Well, today's dose is going to be a little bigger than normal. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. Another day, another week. January is almost gone. That's incredible. I can't even fathom. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older. Well, that's not a bad thing, getting older. Better than the alternative, right? Maybe I'm losing or slipping a little bit, kind of like, oh, I don't know, President Biden. (laughs) I guess when we all get to 70, things begin to look a little differently. And for those of you that are 40 or 30 or somewhere below 50, don't make fun of us because you'll be there really soon. You'll be going through the same experiences as we. That's part of life. But you know what? We choose how we're going to live through our life. Are we going to always look like the glass is half empty and act that way? Or are we just going to say, hey, I'm going to make the best of what I am and what I have and just see what happens? That's where I try to stay. I don't know about you. And let me tell you this. If you want to look at the circumstances around the world, you're going to do nothing but oh me's all the time because it is not looking good for not just the United States of America, but our partners and even our non-partners around the world. Things are really bad and getting worse. We're going to dig into all of that. You're going to hear stuff about the election process coming up. Overnight, of course, well, actually, it was during the day yesterday. Three brave Americans gave their lives, not because they wanted to or they chose to, but because... We're in a conflict in the Middle East that our administration is ignoring, almost totally. Not looking at things, not planning for things. Do you realize we've had 159 attacks on our military members in the Middle East? 159, that's not one or two. That's nothing done by mistake. And we have dozens of others beside those three that were killed yesterday that have been injured, some in very bad ways. And, of course, we don't know the extent of it because, of course, the Biden administration and his military leaders don't want to let Americans know what's going on in that regard. So many questions to ask. Maybe we can get a few answers today. So you just stick tight. We're going to get right to it. But I'm going to give you a breather for about three minutes Maybe think about, oh, I don't know, being happy and smiling. I like that. Smiling. Even when you don't feel happy. Act happy.
Well, that's an old song, Chicago, Make Me Smile, a remake by the group Leonid and Friends. They're a copy group of especially Chicago, and they sound almost exactly, maybe a little bit different in some of the vocals, but the songs are exactly the same as Chicago was back in the 70s. Well, I hope you had a wonderful weekend, and thank you for letting us help you get your new week started Monday morning. And we want to get right to it. Of course, you heard about those three soldiers that were killed over the weekend, 12 others injured. It happened in a drone strike at Tower 22. That's what that particular section of uh, Northwest Jordan is called, Tower 22. And so I, I thought what we should do is go right at the top of the show and tell you exactly what's going on over there in this regard. Where better to go than to talk about and let you hear from the news media from over there that can kind of give us an idea where we stand. This U.S. base in Jordan isn't large, but it appears to have come under direct attack from a drone at night. Three U.S. service members were killed and more than 30 were injured. President Biden promised to respond during a campaign event in South Carolina. This is the deadliest attack on U.S. forces since 13 were killed during the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan back in 2021. But this is just the latest of more than 150 attacks on U.S. forces in the Middle East since the war between Israel and Hamas began back in October. And U.S. intelligence believes a group backed by Iran is behind the strike. We are now going head to head with Iran and the lives of our American servicemen are at risk. There are fears that this could lead to a wider regional conflict drawing in more U.S. forces. But thus far, Iran is undeterred. Attacking the proxies is something we should do, but we should also look at targets in Iran and send a strong message to not only Iran, but to Iran's backers, uh, which would be China and Russia. At the same time on Capitol Hill, there are bipartisan calls for the president to seek input from Congress. It should be a decision of Congress, and I would be hesitant to send any more troops into a situation where Iran is baiting us into um, into some kind of conflict. Now, at this point, the administration has not identified which Iran-backed group in that region is behind this specific attack. Bob and Brock. It's a scary situation for our service members who are there overseas. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, you think you're on a on a base, and that would actually be a safer place to be. But now you've got drones uh, that that these uh, Iranian proxies are, are using to to attack service members. In a, in, a, in the country of Jordan, in fact, and yes, they were near the border with Syria, but still, um, it, you know, there is a clear vulnerability there. And when you look at just the sheer volume of attacks, it may have simply been a matter of time before someone was killed in these. All right. All right. We're praying for them over there. Uh, Doug Lazier, live for us there in Washington. Doug, thank you. So, of course, after that, Iran has responded. They said overnight they claim that any claims that Iran is linked to the Jordan drone attack or the deaths of U.S. soldiers are baseless. Hmm. Rani and foreign minister spokesperson Nasser Kanani also claimed that resistance groups in the area don't take orders from Iran. Yeah, right. The remarks come after three American service members were killed, others were wounded in a drone attack 
near the Syrian border. Some Republicans are pressing Biden to authorize stronger actions against Iran. In fact, I listened to some really important people in the military, uh, not so much those military guys, they did lean this way, but many in Congress say, this is going to keep on happening. We've got to step in there and let Iran know and all the proxies know we're not going to stand for it. While we are still gathering the facts of this attack, we know it was carried out by radical Iran-backed military groups operating in Syria and Iraq. That's from our president. Then Senator Tom Cotton, representative from Arkansas, he said in a blistering statement yesterday, quote, the only answer to these attacks must be devastating military retaliation against Iran's terrorist force, both in Iran and across the Middle East. Anything less will confirm Joe Biden as a coward unworthy of being commander-in-chief. I mean, they're getting right to it, aren't they? Iran's mission to the United Nations said in its own statement that Iran had no connection, had nothing to do with the attacks on the U.S. base. There is a conflict between U.S. forces and resistant groups in the region which reciprocate retaliatory attacks. The statement also said, reciprocate. When did we uh, kill anybody with a drone attack? I don't think this was a reciprocation. This was a aggravation, poking the giant. The Islamic resistance in Iraq, which is a loose coalition of Iran-backed militant groups, is claiming responsibility for the deadly attack. Did you hear that description? That resistance, the Islamic resistance, is a loose coalition of Iran-backed militant groups. So there's a bunch of people gathered up over there that can't stand us and are willing to kill us and want to kill us. And they tell us every day, we want to kill you. We want to kill the great Satan. That's what the Muslim extremist, Islamic extremist, say we are, the great Satan. Israel's the Satan, the little Satan. They want us all gone. Militant groups targeted the logistics support base located at Tower 22. That's uh, the Jordanian Defense Network. There are about 350 U.S. Army and Air Force personnel deployed at that base to counter ISIS. Now, let me ask you this. I don't, I'm not a military guy. I love the military. I love to see movies about the military. But in your wide open mind, can you fathom leaving just 350 Army and Air Force personnel at this one spot to try to stop and counter ISIS? 350? That's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. If you're going to be somewhere, if you need to be in Iraq at that particular part as a nation, as a military, why don't you put enough people and um, the undergirding they need there to stop this stuff from happening themselves? Why do you stick 350 innocent Army and Air Force personnel out in the middle of nowhere Give them some guns and they probably have some other stuff, but they are totally wide open to what happened. And it's not just at that one base, it's all over Iraq and Syria and other parts of the Middle East. By late Sunday, the number of injured had climbed to 34 service members. 
This included at least eight personnel whose injuries warranted being evacuated from Jordan to higher-level care, though they were believed to be in stable condition. Let me just say this. You don't transport people to a higher level of care if they're in stable condition. They're in deep doo-doo, and they need real, real medical care. The fatalities marked a major escalation after months of strikes by these groups and others against us across the Middle East, wherever we're scattered since the start of the Israel-Hamas war. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said, quote, we will take all necessary actions to defend the United States, our troops, and our interests. Well, we haven't yet, Mr. Secretary, 159. Now, yes, you guys told us, oh, we retaliated three or four times. They hit us 159 times. Now, I'm not a military genius. As I said, I'm a, I love our military. I love everything about the United States of America, with the exception of some of the stupidest stuff that we do and that we don't do. But there is no way anybody in their right mind is going to accept we're doing what we're supposed to do over there when we get hit 159 times and maybe retaliate with some missiles or bombs or whatever, maybe kill a camel or two because we don't hit with our missiles sometimes. $100 million and we missed. That was the China balloon, if you don't remember. But this is getting out of hand. I mean, I, I just can't understand what they are thinking. Now, former President Trump, he weighed in on this. He believes that we're on the steps of a third war, the third world war, and he thinks it's imminent. And he, like most Americans, are blaming it on Joe Biden's weakness and his surrender for the suicide drone strike that killed these three servicemen. Trump, writing on True Social, wrote a long missive expressing his condolences for the victims, explaining why America needed to return to his foreign policy doctrine of peace through strength rather than Biden's soft touch. Trump wrote this, this brazen attack on the United States is yet another horrific and tragic consequence of Joe Biden's weakness and surrender, he wrote in the first of three posts. This attack would never have happened if I was president, not even a chance. Just like the Iranian-backed Hamas attack on Israel would never have happened. The war in Ukraine would never have happened. And we would right now have peace throughout the world. Instead, we're on the brink of World War Wow, this terrible day is yet more proof that we need an immediate return to peace through strength. During a campaign stop at a church in Columbia, South Carolina, our President Biden held a moment of silence for those fallen. He promised retaliation. He said, we had a tough day last night in the Middle East. We lost three brave souls. Early on Sunday, Lindsey Graham I haven't seen or heard much about Senator Graham of late, have you? He used to pop up all the time on all the major news shows, but not so much lately. He yesterday demanded Biden act swiftly and decisively to counterstrike against Iran. They're calling for us to quit going after some of the uh, outliers that are out there picking at us. They know 
Iran is actually responsible, funding, planning, coordinating all of this, and they think now, we need to do what Donald Trump did. Of course, Biden will never agree to that, just because of what I said and what people are calling for. We need to retaliate. Those people, they're used to and accustomed to pick, 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 pick. And unless the bully is stopped at what the bully is doing, and knows whoever's going to stop him can and will stop him, they're not going to stop. Biden said, I'm calling on the Biden administration. No, I'm sorry, this is Lindsey Graham. I'm calling on the Biden administration to strike targets that are significant inside Iran, not only as reprisal for the killing of our forces, but as a deterrence against future aggression. The only thing the Iranian regime understands is force until they pay a price with their infrastructure and their personnel. The attacks on U.S. troops will continue. Graham ended it by saying, Mr. Biden, hit Iran now and hit them hard. House Foreign Affairs Chairman Michael McCall, he also blamed the Biden administration for being too weak on Iran and facilitating a foreign policy environment where they thought they could get away with it. McCall said Iran's proxies have launched over 150 attacks on U.S. troops since October, 159 actually. As the Iran-backed Houthis attack global shipping, Iran-backed Hezbollah and Hamas attack our ally Israel. The Biden administration, they have failed in our Middle East policy and have destroyed our deterrence against our adversaries in that area. We need a major reset of our military Middle East policy to protect our national security and restore deterrence. Pretty much most of the people in Washington, D.C. are on the same page about this. Boy, that'll be changed. (laughs) It certainly will. They can't get together and discuss anything and come up with anything close to a consensus on anything else. We got people dying over there, folks. Secretary Austin, I know you're back at work today. If by any chance some of what I'm saying would get to you, please, please stand up and represent the United States of America, not the one you want to morph us into with a bunch of weakling not the ones that you morphed our military into by enforcing DEI, none of that. Oh, and don't forget those mandatory COVID-19 vaccines that we lost thousands of people that refused to do it and you kicked them out. Now you're begging them to come back. Sometimes the way things are going and working, like they were before you assumed your position as Secretary of Defense, You should just leave them in place. Things like the Remain in Mexico agreement that Donald Trump, he worked on and got committed to, and it worked when they implemented it. Mexico was holding these people that came to our southern border to make their claims for asylum, and they were then sent back across the border, and Mexico kept them there waiting for their hearings. It worked. It worked. Our crime down there went to basically nothing. Nobody was worried, and all across our border, 
states and cities and towns, and then your boss came in, and he just obliterated overnight. One of the first things he did, he stopped every one of Trump's border policies that were working. We're going to get into that a little bit later. We have a lot to cover today. So, how was your weekend? How was your weekend? I hope you you didn't uh, suffer trying to follow all this stuff because it's you, you need to remember this. If you, I know we all want to keep up on what's going on out there, especially when we're talking about credibly talking about a possible World War III. Remember this: only worry about the things that you have control over because you can't change them if you don't have control over it. Now, I'm not saying don't go find out what's going on and get facts and listen to both sides of any of these arguments, and then make your decision. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, if you can't impact the results, why sweat it? It's not going to do you any good. In fact, it'll just drive you nuts as you keep rolling forward. So over the weekend, Trump had some other things to say about what's going on under President Biden. And uh, I thought it would be better if I let you listen to this and some commentary about it. Don't forget, uh, we were uh, at $50, $55 a barrel when President Trump left. Mm -hmm. And uh, don't forget, the Iranians were drilling 400,000 barrels a day at $50, $55 a barrel. Trump change. We had them almost bankrupt. President Biden has allowed them to go to 4 million barrels a day. Right. And we made them zillionaires, and we gave them enough money through our oil money, making our people in North America poor, the poor people poorer, the middle class poorer. We gave them a, a lot of money, and you know what they did with, with the money? They hired the Iranian Foreign Legion, Hamas, and uh, the UTs. Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, I mean, it's, it's just... That's where the money goes. Mm-hmm. Guys, we're living in a bizarre world. I I can't believe it. I can't believe it. But just look at that one fact that was mentioned in there. Oil was $55 a barrel when Donald Trump was in office. 55. It's 100 now. I heard over the weekend, if, if you want something that will nauseate you, Let me challenge you to do something. Go to the Washington Post website. You can get like a $2 or $3, maybe $6 temporary uh, access to read Washington Post stories for like 30 days. I think it would be important for those of us who are conservatives. We know how we feel about everything, every issue. I mean, we could sit here and do a laundry list of 100, maybe 150 policies from this administration, and we could counter their viability and very easily explain why they haven't worked and why they're not going to work. It's not going to do any good for us to gripe because people like the Washington Post, the New York Times, other big agencies that are in the tank for the far left, for the media mob, and the Democrat mobsters, They're in the tank for that. They're going to say all the things that fit their narrative, the things that they have to say, they have to say it to stay in good stead with their bosses, the ones that are the media 
makers, you know. But go look at some of these Washington Post stories. They make absolutely no sense. They're out there over the weekend in mass, print, radio, television, all weekend long, telling America how much better our economy is today than it was three and a half years ago. And they're selling it to many uninvolved, that's the best way to put it, Americans, that they go to about three sources to get all their news. And if you go to New York Times, Washington Post, MSNBC, CNN, you're going to get all the same stupid garbage and people that are of that ilk thinking that way, if that's all you hear, you're going to be conditioned to believe it. One thing I learned a long time ago about the difference between conservatives and not just Democrats, anybody on the left, the way they think, they go all in. When they feel like I'm going to be a Democrat, they immediately, you're required to go all in for all the drivel that comes out of the Democrat Party and Democrat politicians. I'll give you an example of this in just a few minutes from the other person's mouth, not mine. I, you all know how I feel, but trying to come up with some reasons, some understanding, explanations to justify it. They were talking about the prices of things are going down. Payroll is going up. More people are being hired. The world is in great shape because of Joe Biden and the Biden administration. That's what they're saying. There is a group of people in this country that are having those kind of things happen, literally happening every day and have been. But here's the difference. Most of those people were filthy rich doing really well when Donald Trump was president too. I'm talking about the top 3% of the people that live in the United States. It doesn't matter if things go up or down a little bit. Do you know that people that are very wealthy, that have a lot of money that they don't have in a regular checking account, they have it invested in things like treasury notes, stocks, and bonds. When, for instance, where are we at now in our interest rate? 7%? Donald Trump left office, we were at 2 or 3%. Those people, if a guy had a, a million dollars three years ago, and he put it in the bank. I'm just talking about a regular old bank and locked it up for three years. A million dollars. The first year would have made, what? what's that? 200000 That's 2%. The next year, interest rate goes up. Say it goes up to 4%. It's not two hundred. It's It was 20000 40000 the next year, it goes up to seven. What is that, Dan? On a million dollars, 7% on a million dollars. You do the math. They're comfortable when they can just put their money in the bank and make good money. And if you've got, oh, I don't know, two or $300 million, $500 million, a billion, do the math. Interest rates aren't falling right now, are they? That doesn't impact those people at the top. It does you and I. Look at what's happening to new home sales. Look at what is happening to existing home sales. 
people are having to stay where they are because of interest rates. Price going up all the time, all the time for real estate over the past 10 years. It keeps going up. So what what does that mean? If somebody wants to go buy a house today, maybe it cost $250,000 seven or eight years ago. It's going to cost $500,000 now. And oh, by the way, I could have gotten a 2 or 3% mortgage rate back then. Now it's 7 It's 8 That's called inflation, and that hasn't come down. And don't tell me that things are getting better. I heard a guy, a news guy, actually just like it, this is normal news thing. Hey, cost of foods are going down across the board. Gasoline's going down. They're lying to us, or they're just kind of misrepresenting it. They're, they're, they're making mistakes. You know, sometimes you do that if you're in media. I, I read some stories over the weekend on Washington Post. I couldn't believe they weren't even close to reality for the rest of the world. Now, remember, that's the Washington Post. Where is it published? The Potomac area, region. That's Washington, D.C. Those people that live there day in, day out, just exclude the politics just for a second. Everybody else there, they're plugged in to what? Washington, D.C. and everything about Washington, D.C. They don't really care about you or I. And oh, by the way, it's no better there for the everyday man than it is where you and I live today. It is nowhere being better. Forget about the southern border stuff. Forget about Israel and Hamas. Forget about Iran. You live here right now. Concentrate. We must concentrate on where we are and the things that are important. And as I said at the top of this, if you can't change it, I mean, you've tried hard. There's nothing you can do about it. It needs to be changed, but that's not in your control anymore. Don't sweat it. Look, dig, investigate, find ways to make things better for yourself. Do the best that you can do. And then at the end of it, you can honestly say, I'm just going to have to make it work right now, just like it is. I can't get it changed yet. 35 years after the original movie, Fox is bringing you back to where it all began. Nobody puts baby in the corner. This is the real Dirty Dancing. Eight celebrities compete to become the real baby and Johnny. Working my Johnny is. Some will rise. Some will fall. All will have the time of their life. The real Dirty Dancing four-week event starts Tuesday at 9 on Fox 5. Get cracking and feel unbeatable with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. Bacon and cheddar or egg white and veggie. Made with cage-free eggs and packed with protein. Take on the day with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. America runs on Dunkin'. This is your home. This is your family room slash gym. The guest bedroom slash music studio. The day bed slash dog bed. The living room slash yoga shanti slash regional office. How did you guys do it? Slash classroom. And this is the basement slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. When playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. <laughs> 
You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. Gatorade works with no artificial colors or sweeteners. Locked and loaded with Truth Ammo. Taking aim at the problem, it's Dan Newman. Take you back just a year or two, how about flashback, let's call it. Joe Biden in 2020, all about the stuff that was being still going on over in the Middle East. I think he was campaigning. Did he campaign in 2020? I don't know. I think he did a little bit for a while, and he had to say some things about it, so he did, but he criticized former President Trump for soldiers being injured in Iraq by Iran. It's kind of hard for me to uh, follow that around. As the news of the three American soldiers killed, at least 25 injured in Jordan on Sunday, Joe Biden now finds himself in a worse position than one he criticized his predecessor, Donald Trump, back in 2020. As the then former vice president was campaigning against Trump in January that year, I guess that was a one-monthly campaign, he criticized Trump for our troops in Iraq suffering traumatic brain injuries that was caused by an Iranian missile attack and dismissing the injuries as minor. No, they just have headaches, Biden said, paraphrasing Trump. By the way, Trump didn't say that. But Joe added this kind of unintelligibly kind of like, you know, (laughs) basically what my words, not his basic ones, just grow up. They're just all headaches. Did you get that? I quoted the president, quote, basically what my words, not his basic ones, just grow up. They're just all headaches. However, under Biden, as of Christmas Day 2023, there were at least 66 U.S. troops in Iraq and Syria who had been injured by Iran-backed attacks, including at least one critically injured, at least 19 who were diagnosed with traumatic brain injuries. The Pentagon has dismissed those injuries as minor. I guess it could be minor unless it's yours, right? Now three American troops are dead under Biden. With more than two dozen injured, U.S. Central Command has not clarified how bad these injuries are. Typically what happens, as you know, they downgrade what they tell us. They don't want to tell us how serious the bad stuff is. The bad stuff is. Well, do you want to go down to the southern border? Do you want to talk a little bit about the southern border? Let's, let's stay about around it just for a little bit. Talk about it. I get right into it. Press Secretary Jean-Pierre, Corrine Jean-Pierre. She's been doing everything she can possibly do to keep from talking about, I mean really talking about, uh, real things things that are out there, anything that looks bad for this president, she will circle all around it. Maybe we've got a combination of Jean-Pierre and Jen Psaki. Circle back Psaki, she would always say, let's circle back to, because that's what Jean-Pierre is doing. 
And, of course, on everything to do with the southern border, it's not the president's fault, it's somebody else's. Some Democrats are saying the president the needs to federalize movie, uh, the Texas National Guard. Let me throw to diversity hire Corinne Jean-Pierre, uh, explaining what the... Uh, <laughs> explaining what the administration might do. Homeland Security Department has asked for access to this park that is now currently in dispute. It doesn't seem like they've gotten it. Uh, They now are allowed to cut down razor wire. Some Democrats are saying the president needs to federalize uh, the Texas National Guard. So look- That's something that could happen? I mean, look, I'll say this. Uh, You know, the Border Patrol agents are now, as you said, allowed to cut through the wire because of what the Supreme Court has laid out. It's it's unfortunate that we had to go there. It's unfortunate that there is a governor in Texas, Governor Abbott, who has politicized this issue of what's happening on the border. And it's not making people's lives safer. It's actually making it harder for law enforcement at at the border to do their job. And so we have been very clear. We want to make sure we get something done at the border. That's why we've been having these conversations with Senate Republicans and Democrats for the past several weeks to come up with a bipartisan agreement to deal with the border. And look, if that the governor is not interested in that, Governor Abbott is not interested in that. He wants to politicize an issue and he's not helping communities. He actually isn't. And he's actually putting Border Patrol agents in harm's way by doing what he's doing. I'm not going to speak to any actions that the president might take, may not take, but we have been very clear on this. Economy. Um, I mean, everything she said there is a confusion or an outright lie or backwards. But Sarah, to try to give the devil his due here, to me, it seems that what Democrats think, or at least what this administration thinks, is that Border Patrol's job is to process immigrants, not to protect the border. Like, that's actually what they believe. And if we acknowledge that, then we can start fighting with them properly. Does that does that seem fair to you? That- Yeah, that is what pisses me off so much. Every single time I hear these people trot out and repeat these lines that Border Patrol needs more resources, not to protect you and me, not to protect actual Americans, just to process these unvetted strangers and allow them into the interiors of our country. It is absolutely reprehensible. I'm old enough to remember a time when Border Patrol was actually there to enforce the law and keep these people out. Instead, they're just glorified processors where they give them a little note and say, hey, promise that you'll really super pinky promise that you're going to be out of court in the year 2032. And we'll just really, really hope that you show up. Wink, wink. I mean, it's disgusting. And you have these people. I just heard a story the other day of a woman. I believe her name was Tammy Nobles whose daughter was autistic, developmentally disabled, who was killed, strangled to death by an MS-13 gang member because Mm -hmm. Border Patrol and the Department of Homeland Security is not doing their damn job. And I'm so tired of hearing this because here's what you'll hear from the, sorry, I'm on a rant. Here's what you'll hear from the left, guys. Here's what you'll hear from the left, okay? We need more, even from the the NYC mayor, Eric Adams, and and all of these Democrat lawmakers who are sanctuary cities until all the brown people show up at their doorstep and they're like, wait a second, we didn't plan for this to happen. Here's what they say. They don't say close the border. They say we need more federal resources Mm -hmm. thrown our way to house these people. We're gonna get to a point where there's geographically no place else for them to go. And these people are so disgusting that they think that throwing more of our taxpayer money is going to solve the problem when really it's just going to, I mean, it's disastrous. It's gonna be disastrous for decades with these people. We have to have someone in office who is willing to say, we have to start mass deportations now. 
I believe wow. that's what we call Sarah Gonzalez unfiltered debuting wow. on Monday. Malice, wh what do you think the argument is? Like if you were in the White House right now and there's that elderly man with dementia there and the diversity hire and the and Mayorkas with the eyebrows and all the people, if they're sitting in there, what do you think they're saying to each other right now? Do they think they're doing the right thing? Well, they know that this is something that benefits the Democratic Party, both in the short term and long term. Uh, they're not incorrect at all. Uh, you know, obviously, anyone who has a kid on American soil, that kid is automatically a citizen. So that you know, this you know, I think we all remember in 2016 when some horrific corporate journalist yelled at President Trump for using the term "anchor baby," and he mm -hmm. goes, "No, no, no, ah, I'm going to use the term anchor baby." Uh, but, you know, I, I'm saying this is an immigrant. Um, this is something that if a nation does not, when we came over, we had to have a family sponsor us to be responsible, mm -hmm. like meaning they were accountable. Now there's just absolutely no accountability because we don't know who half these people are. They're throwing out their ID cards, you know, intentionally. And I'm all for humanitarianism to a point. But if you're not able to sift between who's coming over because they're fleeing some sort of genocide or who's coming over because they're a, a military age male who just wants to have an easy life and, and, and not going to be able to integrate into society, which is going to lead to very harmful consequences, this is a serious concern. So as to your question, what they're doing in the White House, I, I don't think they know what to do because this is the first time, I think for a very long time, when a Republican governor or any governor pretty much has stood up to the federal government to such an extent. I'm delighted by this. Yeah. So they're, I'm sure their phones are ringing off the hook uh, here in Austin with Governor Abbott. And the beautiful thing is both House and Senate are a tie. So you don't have the space to any, make any kind of big moves. They, like the Congress is effectively crippled. Uh, so this is really a wonderful time for things to escalate in the direction it needs to go. I don't think I could put it any better than what you just heard. That is a very concise understanding of what really is happening. But still, the question is out there. You heard Jean Carie. She just blamed everything. On Republicans. It's almost like all of Washington, D.C. and the big issues, they each live in a basket of their own. Nobody has anything to do with any of them unless things are going good and then everybody wants to, oh, look what we did, look what we did. But when one or two or three or four or 25 of them are going wrong, nobody wants to place any blame on themselves. It's everybody else. And don't forget, in the middle of this, yes, we have our horrible stuff going on at our southern border. Unexplainable, unacceptable, but it's still happening after three and a half years. It's way worse than it ever possibly anybody thought it could get to. But it's getting worse. That means it's not going to get any better. And what Jean-Pierre refuses to understand, and let me, let me just rephrase that, she refuses to accept is that if you don't change things at the southern border the way they're going on, nothing is going to change. To change something, you have to change what's going on and why it's happening with whatever you want to change. They still blame everything on somebody else. How can that be possibly left alone and not even discussed? And you have another 900-pound gorilla in the room, Ukraine. Ukraine. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell from Kentucky, Republican. I think maybe Mitch is on his way out. I really do. He's got some very obvious physical problems, too. Maybe some cognitive 
active uh, disability problems. It just, you know, just appearances. I'm not saying he has all of that, but he has forever been in the tank for Ukraine. Mitch has made supporting the war in Ukraine a signature policy priority for him and the Republicans in, in the Senate, which don't all agree with him. In fact, half of them don't. But his efforts have been complicated by some fellow Republicans, including Trump, who are moving the goalpost on the issue. Mitch thought he had him right in the right spot. He appeared to be on solid footing when he told President Biden and Treasury Secretary Yellen in a phone call before Thanksgiving that Biden's funding request for Ukraine would not pass the Senate without a credible border solution. So now he's circling back on the other side of the issue. He said, I did make it clear to both of them that we have to have a credible solution to the wide open border in order to get a bill across the Senate floor, he said at the time. I hope they understood the message. That was before Thanksgiving. Mitch hadn't talked to him since, or you would know about it. He would have told you. I keep trying to talk to him. He didn't say any of that. But at a special meeting of the Republican conference on Wednesday, McConnell acknowledged, according to one senator that was there, that the political situation has drifted. And listen to this. Mitch blames Donald Trump, who in the interim has won the Iowa caucuses and New Hampshire primary, tightening his grip on who? The Republican Party. Republican senators say Trump is now telling GOP lawmakers he wants to deny President Biden a victory and run on the issue. That's what people are saying. Trump hadn't said that. That's a motivation that Senator Mitt Romney on Thursday blasted. He called it appalling. Like Mitt Romney, anybody listens to anymore. He's through. He's not going to try to run and keep his seat. Senator Tom Tillis, Republican from North Carolina, he said Republicans would make a serious mistake by walking away from the border deal in the belief that it will somehow help Trump beat Biden in the November election. He said, if we fail to get it passed, I'm going to file exactly the same bill if Trump wins and we have a majority of the Senate. I'll guarantee you that everybody who's against it, it's all about politics, not having the courage to respectfully disagree with President Trump and tell him this will help him. He has requested it before, Tillis said. Now, they keep talking. Let me just hit one more thing Tillis said. I didn't come here to have a president as a boss or a candidate as a boss. I came here to pass good, solid policy that will help a president who is serious about securing the border, he said. Mr. Tillis, let me point something out to you. You're a senator, of course. You guys haven't given us a bill. Nothing. You haven't given us a bill. You're talking about if we don't accept the bill, if Trump, if Republicans don't accept the bill. What bill? You haven't given us one. You keep telling us that the ones that points of are rolling around the news world, you can't believe them because that's not in the bill. If these people want to work for the people, they'll work with the people and understand that we're not just going to listen to them and swallow hook, line, and sinker everything they tell us and everything they tell us to do. Give us the facts. Eight, nine months ago, 
the House, the Republicans in the House had a bill, total bill for everything, completely done. H.R. 4, they passed it around. You can go online and look at every part of it right now. They didn't come back and say, like Biden says, they won't come negotiate with us. We've been talking to them. We want a bipartisan bill. They didn't even talk about H.R. 4. You know why? Because it didn't give them everything they wanted. It had some quid pro quo stuff in there. Like, you close the southern border and you've got a deal. We'll give you this, 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 and this. But you close the southern border. And then we'll talk. All along, what do they keep doing? Just trucking right along because nobody has said no. Trump said in November of 2018, that's a little while ago, right? The only long-term solution to the crisis and the only way to ensure the endurance of our nation as a sovereign country is for Congress to overcome open borders obstruction. Trump complained at the time that caravans of illegals were drawn to the county, to our country, by Democrat-backed laws and left-wing judicial rulings that tied his hands as president. It's a disgrace we have to put up with it, he said. Now, here we are five years later. Remember that. Trump said that in 2018. I do not think he's saying today we should do a border deal at all unless we get everything needed to shut down the invasion of millions and millions of people. Now, what's wrong with that? Logical question is, why haven't people in the Biden administration done that? You know why I'm asking in such anger? Yes, I am very hacked off about it. Is because it's part of the law. Mr. President, if you would just have, since you became president, enforce the law, immigration laws, that you were part of putting together and passing into law, getting it signed by the then president, and you don't want to as president, and you continue to refuse to enforce the laws. You know what the law says? I've got it right here in front of me, but I'm not going to read it in the lawism. I'm just going to tell you what the sum is that's applicable to this. Every person that crosses our border illegally is subject to this. If they have not made a credible application for asylum, they must be immediately deported back to the nation from which they came. Now, wow, Dan. I mean, we're getting, you know, 300,000 people in the month of December. We can't deport all those people back. The law says we do it, but guess what? If... Biden, the first week he was president, enacted a process through Alejandro Mayorkas, his Secretary of Homeland Security, to enact that process and do it exactly as the law says. We wouldn't have this flood of people that are overwhelming our nation. Big cities all around. We're talking, I would bet you, if we added up all the dollars regarding this whole process and what it's done across the nation, it would be more costly than $1 trillion. 
dollars that American taxpayers either have paid for or were on the hook for it because they borrowed money to do it. And they did it outside the Constitution. Nobody wants to talk about that, or at least nobody in the administration wants to. Some Republican senators think some of their conservative colleagues have also shifted on the need to have a border bill to align themselves with Trump and take shots at their leadership. Now, why would they want to make this a political thing? Trump said this in 2018, and it was right then. You got to give him credit for that. In 2018, he said it. It was right. It would have worked. And it doesn't mean Trump is making this. And if you want to enforce this that we're talking about, it doesn't mean you're in the tank for Donald Trump. It means you're in the tank for the rule of law. Ted Cruz told Fox News' Jackie Heinrich this week, we don't need a border bill. Now, wait a minute. That's exactly opposite of what everybody else is saying. No, he's right. All we have to do is enforce the laws on the books right now. Joe Biden has never done it. There's a crisis at our border, he tweeted in June of 2019, did Ted Cruz. We can't remain work tirelessly to protect our border. The administration needs to do the job. McConnell has argued that this border deal they have on the table, well, they don't have it on the table yet. They've got it in the closet. They don't want us to see it. McConnell says it's the only opportunity in the foreseeable future to get any Democrat votes to reform the nation's asylum laws and give the president more authority to detain and deport migrants. He has all that authority already, every bit of it. If he does it by the rule of law, there are no problems. Arguing such proposals wouldn't get any Democrat support under a Republican president. So what he's saying there is we're going to step around the law. McConnell who's the minority leader. He's a Republican in the Senate. He's saying, we've got got to go outside the law. We can't do it. The Democrats won't do it. It's open border obstruction. No votes. You can come up with the greatest border plan, the greatest immigration plan. You won't get one vote for a Democrat. Trump said that five years ago. Is he telling the truth? Here's a Republican in the Senate. He says, we can't do it. We'll never get them to agree with us. So what do we do? We give in? Mitch, you're married to a multi-billionaire. His father-in-law owns the largest shipping company in China. He can look at things from a different perspective than can you and I, right? We don't have that kind of money. Over the weekend, Kamala Harris appeared on one show, and she was asked about the problem and how we can fix the border stuff. The standoff is a real mess, and sadly, our fearless border czar Kamala hasn't been able to find a solution. Sadly, it has become so deeply partisan and the subject of then political gamesmanship when in fact the solutions are at hand and we offered a solution early on and invited bipartisan work. Let's work on it to fix this. But sadly, uh, you know, we want to fix it. They want to run on it. They want to they want a political issue to run on in November. And they've not even looked at 
Oh, they looked at it, of course. H.R. 4, the Republicans put together, that would resolve all of this. It would resolve every bit of it. It included a bunch of money, but it included some conditions. In other words, we're not going to write you a blank check. Listen, people in Congress are not supposed to be representing politicians. Other than this one thing, each of those politicians, when it comes to elections, they have one vote. I'm talking about elections that you or I in. We have that same vote. These people are supposed to represent us. And way more than 50% of the people, you look at any poll, way more than 50% say, we've got to shut down the border. Why, oh why, won't they do it? It is the law. I, I just, there is no way I can even get this. There is no way I can get it. It just makes absolutely no sense. And we just keep going around and around and around. Okay. (laughs) Enough for that. We'll get back to one thing in just a minute that has to do with the southern border, but it has to do with a lot of other. And that's the new thing that happened over the weekend or late Friday, which is impeachment proceedings moving forward in the House. They've come to terms And it looks like they've got a bill that they're going to put on the floor to vote to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas. But before we go there, we can't forget about the tag-along in all this, which is Ukraine. You remember me screaming and hollering and saying, why, oh, why do we not have an understanding of what is happening dollars and cents-wise about our deal with Ukraine? We have no oversight, no accounting. There's no audit provisions or anything like that. We're just sending them money and giving them material. And you, you, you always know. And the, and I said this when I, the first time and the second time I said, "Show us where the money's gone." There's going to be something happen. Dunstan Teo came on this show, cryptocurrency expert the first big batch of money that went to Ukraine, maybe the later ones, I don't know. It went, shipped this crypto. He told us credibly with evidence that some of that money that was sent in cryptocurrency, it didn't get to Ukraine's government. It was being sent a little over here and a little over there and a little over there, and it had some former U.S. politicians on the receiving end of it. How much? He knows. I don't know. I haven't heard another word about that. But meanwhile, we find out this morning Ukrainian officials have stolen nearly $40 million of American money meant for ammunition. Ukrainian officials stole nearly $40 million meant for procurement of ammunition and an embezzlement scheme discovered, and we're just now hearing about it, in 2023. An unnamed directorate head, of course, unnamed, in Ukraine's Ministry of Defense, allegedly was at the head of a scheme that illegally transferred almost UAH, one and a half billion, that's 39 million in U.S. dollars, meant to purchase artillery shells for the armed forces of Ukraine to foreign accounts 
of the Ministry of Defense-affiliated intermediary company, the Security Service of Ukraine. Now, why do you think Ukraine? You remember when all the stuff started coming up? We found out Burisma in Ukraine. We found out Ukraine is known as the filthiest, most vile criminal country in Europe, all of Europe, especially regarding financial wrongdoing. The Ukraine's Ministry of Defense, (laughs) they transferred that money to an affiliated intermediary company. The amount was 30% higher than the value of an alternative contract concluded by the newly created Defense Procurement Agency. Money were for state funds. Didn't get there. And it went somewhere else. And yet, Mitch McConnell, all of these lawmakers on the left, we've got to send more money to Ukraine. We've got to send more money to Ukraine. Speaker, House Speaker Mike Johnson, he makes it very clear. We're not sending money to Ukraine unless we know where the money's gone. What's wrong with that? What is wrong with that? If one of your kids, listen to this. If one of your kids comes to you and says, Mom, Dad, I need $20,000. I really do. I'm going to go buy this, this, this new equipment. I'm starting this new company, and I can't do it without some seed money. Can you help me out? What are you going to tell them? Oh, yeah, here's a check, 20 grand, go. No, you're going to ask all the details, where it's going, what are you going to do, how are you going to do it, what makes you think it'll work. You'll go through the whole litany of tests. But even more so, when you start this business and you start doing what you're supposed to do, maybe two, three, four, six months down the line, the kids come back and say, you know what, thank you for doing that but I'm running short on cash flow. Can you give me another $20,000? And you're going to say, what'd you do with the first 20? Well, I did that. Well, show me what you did. I'm sure you've got a spreadsheet, a bank account that shows where you spent it. Show it to me. What's the difference? Is it because Ukraine, known as the most financially corrupt nation in Europe and the way they operate, Is that why these members in the House and the Senate are so demanding that we pay Ukraine more money without knowing where a dime of it went? Does that mean maybe some of that went somewhere that they don't want us to know about? That's the question mark in the air over my head and has been for a long time. What about you? Knowing that about, well, a $39 million, not not about 40 million, it's 39 million is gone. And they won't tell us or they don't know one of the two where it is. Would you give your kid another 20,000 if that was going on at your house? If you would, shame on you. You would suffer whatever the consequences were there. But this time, we're not talking about just you. We're not talking about $20,000 either. We're talking about $39 million and that's just a drop in the hat. How much more have we sent? How much more equipment have we sent? Do we know what they've done with our equipment? Is it being used and used properly, or have they sold it or 
Oh my gosh, they may have lost it. It's a lot to take in, but when you need a refresher, it's all here. 24-7, 365. Every podcast, every blog. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance, and people love it. Of course, they love the savings they're going to get with Geico, but it goes beyond that. You deserve to save. (laughs) heard that before you deserve to save i know i need you to hear me you deserve to save i deserve to save i mean he has a way of making you feel seen bundle car and motorcycle insurance and save at geico.com ready to take your jenga skills to the next level if you are an all-star at building towers and balancing blocks then build up the competition in new jenga maker play in teams to finish first and claim the crown Jenga and new Jenga Maker. Reach the top of your game, each sold separately. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. We design smarter ways to detect motion for emergency dispatch in seconds. We create HD cameras so you could see what's happening in your home from anywhere. All powered by Fast Protect technology, exclusively from Simply Safe for faster police response. Because in here, your safety is the only thing that matters. Advanced home security, 24-7 professional monitoring. There's no safe like Simply Safe. CBS, NBC, ABC, MSNBC, CNN. An alphabet soup of lies, myths, and disinformation. For real nutrition, you need a full plate of truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Well, as I told you, we have a ongoing immigration problem with our immigration boss. The head of it all, of course, is Joe Biden. But the guy that's down in the gutter doing all the dirty work or initiating all the dirty work, at least, is Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. And he's in a tough spot. The House has drawn impeachment articles, and we're told we may get a vote from the full House as early as today, maybe tomorrow, maybe midweek, whether to go ahead and impeach him, start impeachment proceedings or not. And I've spoken to a couple of Democrats in the House, and it looks like, even though they have a very slim margin there, that the majority are going to vote to impeach him. I'm sure every Democrat will vote no. So, why would we impeach (laughs) Mayorkas? I heard that asked three or four times over the weekend. Why wouldn't we? That's my my thought. But um, (laughs) it's easy if you look at the facts. If you look at the facts, now we talked just or we heard just a minute ago from our Vice President Kamala Harris about the border bill, more money than why the Republicans won't vote for it. But Kamala came out also over the weekend and she explained to us what the problem is at the southern border. It's not the fact that we're not enforcing the laws. It's because of those Republicans. The standoff is a real mess, and sadly, our fearless border czar Kamala hasn't been able to find a solution. You've already heard that one. 
That's Kamala. But somebody we haven't heard from in a long time, Maxine Waters. She's one of the nut jobs. You can't credibly say anything other than that. She's always been all over the world. She's broken all kind of uh, fidelity agreements by members of the House regarding how they handle their own dollars and cents for their campaigns, their offices, the funding, what they do with it, and also what they can do in business, not using their role as a member of Congress to make money, give money to people, support this or support that. In other words, do the right thing. She went postal, absolutely postal, over this impeachment process. She thinks Alejandro Mayorkas is just squeaky clean about everything. She doesn't think anything about all of the crime, all the the potential crime that is there that we know is going to happen. She doesn't think about the 100,000 each year of Americans who have died from fentanyl poisoning because Alejandro Mayorkas refuses to follow the rule of law. Simply follow the rule of law. Just do that, and most of those illegals wouldn't be in here, and most of the fentanyl, that every bit of it comes through Mexico, most of the fentanyl wouldn't be here. But Maxine, oh my gosh, she's beside herself. Joining me now in studio is California Congresswoman Maxine Waters, ranking member of the Financial Services Committee. Congresswoman Waters, welcome back to the Sunday Thank show. You. Thank you very much for being here. So your reaction to the two articles of impeachment against the, the Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Well, you know, uh, I am just so disturbed uh, that the Republicans would continue uh, to, number one, retaliate against the Democrats uh, because uh, their leader uh, was uh, impeached twice. And so uh, they are making up this reason for uh, impeaching him by saying he absolutely, uh, you know, broke the law and that he was basically allowing those who were not uh, allowed into the United States legally to be in the United States until, you know, their um, trials or whatever mm-hmm. were absolutely done. And so they're making it up. Uh, it's unfortunate, but it's a retaliation. It's a way by which feeding uh, to MAGA Republicans and making them feel uh, that, you know, they're in charge. And of course, Trump is behind all of this. Mm-hmm. He's behind all of this. He is showing that he has the power to make weak need Republicans do what he tells them to do, no matter what. And uh, they are afraid of him and they are bowing to his wishes. So then so then that explains, do you think, why Speaker Johnson is forging ahead on articles of impeachment against Secretary Mayorkas, but also willing to tank a deal that reportedly has all the stuff Republicans have been calling for for years. Well, don't forget, Johnson loves Trump. Uh, he's a great friend. He did some of his lawyering and he has made it known uh, that he's going to work very closely with him. And he is doing what Trump, where they have something that they can offer. And already, you know, Johnson is saying it's dead on arrival uh, because he's going to do uh, whatever Trump wants him to do. Mm-hmm. It is unfortunate that we have that kind of misguided leadership in this country where one man, one man who's been indicted, one man who has been indicted, 
not only uh, because of what he did uh, to try and uh, overturn our government, uh, but because uh, he's hid, you know, papers that he should not classified information that he should not have been messing with, taking them down to Mar-a-Lago, all of this, and they still are afraid of him. Weak need Republicans who are willing to do whatever he wants them to do, and that includes the Speaker of the House, Johnson. Eh, you know, Maxine, I don't know. I don't know. I know Mike Johnson. I uh, also know about his personal relationship with the former president. Uh, yeah, he's done some stuff together with him. I think everybody needs to know that you've done a bunch of stuff with Joe Biden through the years yourself. So does that mean Joe Biden is your mouth and Joe Biden speaks what you think or maybe the other way around? Or is it just maybe you speak for yourself and in Mike Johnson's case, he speaks for the rule of law, which you don't in this case, nor does President Biden nor does a bunch of other people. And therefore, Congress, by the way, has a constitutional duty, a requirement to hold people that serve in the highest office in the land accountable for their service under very specific circumstances and details to be removed from office. Because when you're elected, you're a President of the United States, you're exempt at least for a while for criminal actions that you may take. Impeachment is the only way to hold a president accountable. House Republicans yesterday released two articles of impeachment against Alejandro Mayorkas. They vowed to swiftly push forward with election year efforts to oust him over what they call his failure to manage the U.S.-Mexico border. The rare step against a cabinet member drew outrage from Democrats in the agency as a politically motivated stunt lacking the constitutional basis to remove Mayorkas from office. Republicans contend that Mayorkas is guilty of, quote, high crimes and misdemeanors, hmm, okay, that amount to a willful and systemic refusal to comply with the law on immigration and a breach of the public trust. Impeachment, they say, is Congress's only viable option. No, they don't say that. Republicans don't say that. The Constitution says that. And I know for a lot of Democrats, they don't give a rip about what the Constitution says. We're just going to do whatever we want. If you don't like it, hold us accountable. And then when we hold them accountable, they get all upset. You're doing this as a vendetta. You have no right to do this. Alejandro Mayorkas willfully and systematically refused to comply with the immigration laws, failed to control the border to the detriment of national security, comprised, compromised public safety, and violated the rule of law and separation of powers in the Constitution to the manifest injury of the people of the United States. Only once in American history has a cabinet secretary been impeached. You remember it? Sure you do. <laughs> 1876, William Belknap, President Ulysses Grant's war secretary, over kickbacks in government contracts. 
going after an official for a policy dispute in this instance over the claim that Mayorkas is not upholding immigration laws is unprecedented. Ever since taking control of the House in 2023, they say Republicans have pushed to impeach Mayorkas. Not true. Not true at all until Mayorkas started doing his stuff. Sunday's announcement comes as their other impeachment drive to impeach Joe Biden in relation to his son Hunter's business dealings has struggled to advance. But Republicans have moved with rapid speed against Mayorkas after a series of hearings in recent weeks. It all comes at a time when border security and immigration are key issues in the 2024 campaign. And as Donald Trump, the frontrunner for the Republican presidential nomination, is promising to launch the largest de- deportation operation in U.S. history if he returns to the White House. Well, it's not the largest so far. It doesn't exist so far, but everybody forgets that under President Dwight Eisenhower, they deported 300,000 illegal immigrants in one deal, one operation. Don't want to talk about that, though. You know why they did it? Because those people were here illegally. The Republican-controlled House Homeland Security Committee is set to vote tomorrow on the articles of impeachment, aiming to send them to the full House. Mike Johnson has said the House will move forward as soon as possible with the vote after that. So passage requires only a House majority. The Senate, if they took it up, would hold a trial and a two-thirds vote is required for conviction, an exceedingly unlikely outcome in the Democratic-run Senate. The GOP push also comes at a curious time for Mayorkas. Even as the House is taking steps to try to remove him from office, he's been engaged, and I love this. i got to change my tone. He's been engaged in arduous negotiations with senators seeking to reach a bipartisan deal on voter policy. He's won praise from senators for his engagement in the process. Democrats have lambasted the impeachment proceedings, calling them a waste of time when lawmakers should be working together to solve the problems, just like they did. You know, last year, last spring, when Republicans gave them a bill that had everything from top to bottom to try to negotiate and get the deal happening. Senate never looked at it, never even took it up, but it's those House Republicans. They also said Republicans are part of the problem at the border, with Republicans attacking Mayorkas, even as they have failed to give his department tools it needs to manage the situation. All we've done as Americans is write checks, write checks. And all Joe Biden has done is send money to Alejandro Mayorkas to make it better. Not a thing is better. In fact, the exact opposite has been true from the beginning. They don't want to fix the problem. They want to campaign on it. That's why they have undermined efforts to achieve bipartisan solutions, ignored the facts, legal scholars and experts, and even the Constitution itself in the quest to baselessly impeach Secretary Mayorkas. That's from his own organization. Benny Thompson, 
representative from Mississippi, the top Democrat on the House committee. He said the GOP resolution did not have a shred of evidence of high crimes or misdemeanors, the constitutional standards for impeachment. Oh, my gosh. Don't we have a few other things that they should be taking care of? Why are we spending so much time, so much effort, and so much energy on this? Meanwhile, we have another expert that has come up over the weekend and made something very shockingly, abundantly clear for all of Americans that is a really critical thing. If Hamas survives the current war in Israel, then they've won. This is according to retired United States Army Major and urban and subterranean warfare expert John Spencer. John slammed the terror group's use of human sacrifice tactics, and he warned that if Israel didn't completely dismantle Hamas, then massive genocidal attacks and the taking of civilian hostages would be replicated by terrorists across the globe. Monkey see, monkey do. This guy, John Spencer, is a world-renowned expert on urban combat. He serves as chair of urban warfare studies at the Modern War Institute at West Point. He noted how Israel's past operations, and they've had them all along, I mean, almost every year, somebody, some of these crazy people, Middle Eastern people, they come out and go after Israel over and over and over again. Israeli people have just made it a way of life. They primarily targeted the extensive tunnel networks of both Hamas and Hezbollah, has Israel. We knew about the Hamas tunnel system. I've been in many replica Hamas and Hezbollah tunnels. Most of the previous operations against the pair have been about tunnels. Even the last flare-up in the 2021 Operation Guardian of the Walls, Israel's response was to strike at the tunnel complexes. However, he explained the actual scope of the tunnel system Hamas built under Gaza has always been an estimate. Since Israel fully left Gaza back in 2005, though you could have an eye in the sky, but that doesn't prevent Hamas from digging underground. That's why people in war usually go underground, to hide what you're doing and in support of your military protection in a defensive role. Spencer is the founding member of the International Working Group on Subterranean Warfare. He said the tunnels serve as a key strategic tool in warfare for both defense and offense. And we've seen that play out even in this Israel-Hamas get-together. Like ISIS and everybody else, and even in Ukraine, there are tunnels everywhere, he said. But it's really built and utilized in support of your strategy, whether you're doing it to defend or you're doing it to attack. In war, you're either defending or attacking. So in Hamas's cases, they attacked on October 7th, and then they went into defense positions and waited for the counterattack. He also talked about Hamas's tunnel strategy, said it's unique 
and that it focuses on a long-term goal to destroy Israel rather than typical military objectives like defeating enemy forces or even capturing territories. Unlike any other military operation in history, he said, the tunnels Hamas built aren't in support of the either enemy or terrain-based goal. Usually in war, you're trying to beat the enemy. Use a strategy to either destroy your opponent's military or they're attacking their capitals and trying to seize the will of your opponent to stop fighting. But Hamas has this long-term strategy. Their stated strategy is to destroy Israel and kill all the Jewish people. According to Spencer, Hamas employs extensive tunneling for lawfare and survival, aiming to undermine Israel's military response and gain political power. The terrorist organization's game plan in mind to achieve that he claimed is by gaining time and includes the use of hostage diplomacy. So you wondered why all of these people are still being held by Hamas. There you go. That's why. They're using it for their benefit. It's called hostage diplomacy. The tunnels come into play where nobody knew the true extent of how much digging Hamas had been doing and how much resources they had invested, not just in invasion tunnels or even military tunnels, but tunnels that are built for the sole purpose of doing what's called lawfare, lawfare, which is using the rules of the laws of war on what you can and can't strike in urban areas against Israel and its ability to even respond to being attacked. If you look at it that way, Hamas's well-known strategies, not just to use human shields, but to use human sacrifice, with their ultimate endgame being a scenario where the world steps in and causes Israel to have to stop the operation even though Israel didn't start, didn't start it. Hamas did on Iran's orders. Everybody knows that. So not only does Israel face the great equalizer, what we call urban warfare, it faces something nobody's faced in modern times, arguably even in the history of war. It's not just tunnels. Tunnels are aging, even in the ancient battles of Jerusalem. Tunnels were used for many reasons. But to achieve Hamas's strategy, no military has faced this strategy, where the enemy's underground, and the underground is more important than the surface, because Hamas wants Israel to destroy the surface so that the world steps in and allows Hamas to survive Israel. This seems kind of uh, detailed, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, it's very detailed. It, it's not like they just figured this out, spent 90 days getting together for coffee to talk through what they could possibly do to get rid of their arch enemies, Israel. Of course, have you noticed in this whole debacle, very little consideration of what has happened to Israel is even considered. Murder, genocide, anyway. From your side or anybody's other side, it's wrong. But here we go. I guess we'll just keep on trucking, trying to figure things out. 
Meanwhile, life still goes on in other areas. What about what's happening in Georgia? Remember, the left are foaming at the mouth to get Donald Trump again. Fonnie Willis. Fonnie Willis. Oh my gosh, that district attorney over in Atlanta that is the one that stoked the fire in Georgia against Donald Trump. She is in deep trouble and it keeps getting deeper and deeper. That and much more straight ahead. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Join the Truth News Net Army of the Informed. Be on the cutting edge when a new story is posted at TNN. Sign up at the homepage of truthnewsnet.org. We never share, we never sell your email. The only thing we're selling is the truth. Join the TNN family today. We're growing from Bangor, Maine to Saigon, from Berlin to Moscow, from Rio Linda to Krakow, Poland, from Sevilla, Spain to McAllen, Texas, and Caribou Landing, Canada, from Salzburg, Zurich, and Milan to Shreveport, Louisiana, and all points in between. TNN has been named the single most important source of conservative American political news by the University of Moscow. It's regularly heard in Washington, D.C., and every major capital on every continent. Be part of this mass migration from propaganda to truth. Sign up today. Thanks for being a part of our worldwide family. TNN. Truthnewsnet.org. Come in for workout gear. Leave feeling empowered. Come in for snack time. Leave more fulfilled. Because when you shop at Target, you leave with what you value most. Like healthy foods for your family. And brands that lift our communities. At Target, the things that matter are always within reach. What we value most shouldn't cost more. So let's just jog on down to Georgia and figure out what's going on there. Fulton County Prosecutor Fannie Willis. We used to know her as Fannie Willis before we knew what the correct pronunciation was. And of course, because we didn't say it right, that meant something negative about us. But that's just a little tip of this thing. She is defending Nathan Wade. Now, who's he? He's her top prosecutor in the Trump case. She replied last week on behalf of Wade to House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan, who launched that probe into what Willis is doing, seeking records about her alleged corruption and improper relationship with Wade. Now, this all sounds kind of benign, but it's so embedded in this Trump case, and quite honestly for the cases of every other of those people that are being attacked as part of Fannie, Fannie's operation. 
Trump and a co-defendant in Willis's case accused Willis and Wade of corruption for, number one, maintaining an improper romantic relationship, number two, enriching themselves through the taxpayer-funded prosecution, three, meeting with Biden administration officials before indicting Trump and co-defendants. Now, wait a minute. This Georgia case is a Georgia case. It's not a federal case. So why would these people need to go to the White House twice to meet with Biden administration officials about this case before they filed the case? Your letter is simply a restatement of demands that you made in past correspondence for access to evidence in a pending Georgia criminal prosecution. Fanny wrote Jordan in a letter, As I said previously, your request implicates significant, well-recognized confidentiality interests related to an ongoing criminal matter. Your request violates principles of separation of powers and federalism, which is what you did, Fanny, by the way, by going during your case against Trump to the president of the United States people to talk through anything about the case. What about that, Fanny? I refer to my previous responses to your inquiry for more detailed analysis. So Jim Jordan launched this investigation into Willis, I guess about two weeks ago, for accepting more than $14.6 million in grant funds from President Biden's Department of Justice between 2020 and 2023. Did you get that? A local DA in Georgia got grants between 2020. Well, let's see what happened then. Oh, my gosh. Joe Biden was elected then. $14.6 million in grant money from Joe Biden. The time frame of the fund suggests the DOJ granted Willis federal funds to finance former President Donald Trump's prosecution. The plot thickens. Willis is under additional heat. The Georgia State Senate on Friday approved launching a subpoena-powered investigation into Willis by a 30 to 19 vote. So the state's looking into her stuff. And Jim Jordan is trying to get information for the House to get involved. Senate probe is the latest effort to hold the uh, Fulton County prosecutor for what she's done. In January, a Georgia judge ordered her to respond to the corruption accusations in writing by February 2nd. The order will force her to speak on television about the allegations on February 15th. In addition to this, Willis and Wade are expected to be subpoenaed about the allegations of their affair during Wade's ongoing and unsealed divorce case. The potential information could illuminate Willis and Wade's alleged improper relationship during their case against Trump. Isn't it interesting that all of these people that are going after Donald Trump, first of all, are African-American, and secondly, have ties to the Biden administration. They're all Democrats. And of course, the mainstream media The mobbers on the left, they try to hide as much of this as long as they can 
because they don't want anything that could possibly make any of these people that are going legally after Donald Trump make them look bad at all. They won't do that thing that, I mean, very few media folks do nowadays, which is look for, find, and report the facts. It takes people like us. Now, we talked last hour about this stuff going on regarding the bill, the bill, the bill, the Senate bill that's going to take care of our immigration problem at the southern border, that immigration bill that nobody has seen but four people, we're told, two Republicans and two Democrats. And they say it's a bill. That means it's prepared. That means they're going to be bringing it forth to be considered by Congress. Why did they put all this out there and didn't give us any information? They just wanted to hear and see everybody go after everybody over what they think is in the bill. One of those guys that has been part of making it is Oklahoma Republican Senator James Lankford, a really good guy. He's from Oklahoma. But he is kind of um, going over the edge on this thing. The Oklahoma Republican Party have stopped all of their support for Senator James Lankford as he's leading negotiations with other Republicans and Democrats to do this Senate deal that would expand illegal and legal immigration to the United States. Now, they did that without seeing the stuff in the bill. They're like you and me. We've heard little bits and pieces that have leaked out, none of which sound good. But these other people, some of them now even, well, people like Mitt Romney. He's a Republican. What about Mitch in Kansas? Excuse me, (laughs) Kansas. Oh, my gosh, it's a K word, but it's Kentucky. He's the minority leader in the Senate. They're telling us it's a good bill. It's a good bill. we got to get something done, and they won't even let us see it. Lankford is negotiating this deal alongside some other Republicans, like Tom Tillis and John Thune, Chris Murphy, Democrat from Connecticut, and others. We are told this. We don't know it, but I'm going to tell you what they're leaking or what has leaked. The deal would expand legal immigration levels by 50,000 green cards every year, even as the U.S. already admits about a million legal immigrants a year, with the nation's foreign-born population set to surpass 50 million this year, the first time in American history. Likewise, this deal would allow 35,000 illegals to arrive at the U.S.-Mexico border every week before requiring the Department of Homeland Security to impose border controls. Now, why? Why would they do this? I don't even want to go there. I think everybody has their own idea. I think we all agree it has to do with political makings of a permanent Democrat Party voting class. But we're told also in this deal, and we can't confirm it yet, Illegals would get expedited work permits, work permits, so they could take American jobs and unaccompanied alien children would be provided taxpayer-funded lawyers. How about that? Late last week, 
members of the Oklahoma Republican Party State Committee, they came up with the resolution to condemn and censure Langford for his work on this deal. Be it resolved that Oklahoma GOP strongly condemns Senator James Langford if and to the extent that he continues these actions and calls upon him to cease and desist, jeopardizing the security and liberty of the people of Oklahoma and of these United States. The OKGOP members make it clear in their resolution the party's platform supports limited legal immigration to the U.S. that cuts existing annual admissions to prevent an adverse effect on our national security, wages, housing, environment, medical care, and our schools. We oppose a path to citizenship that would grant citizenship to illegals. They noted, adding that authorizing several thousand people to invade our borders before any action can be taken, that's contrary to the oath that Senator Lankford took to the Constitution and therefore outside of the area that he is authorized to negotiate on. So while Republicans condemn the deal, Joe Biden has announced his endorsement. Go figure. For everyone who is demanding tougher border control, this is the way we do it. If you're serious about the border crisis, pass a bipartisan bill and I will sign it. Biden put that in a statement that he made. Let me tell you what the Democrats, their definition of a bipartisan bill. All you have to have is one Republican and they'll tell the nation until the nation gets numb. We have a bipartisan bill. It's coming from both Democrats and Republicans. And there's no reason they should not expect this bill to be legitimate and they ought to throw their support to it. But then they launch back to the Nancy Pelosi gobbledygook. Remember when our Obamacare bill was in process and in a press briefing, her weekly Thursday press briefing, one reporter stood up and said, Madam Speaker, you're telling us we need to pass this bill. We haven't seen the bill. Why would we want to pass it now? And she giggled at Nancy Pelosi, uh, Pelosi's snarky giggle that she has, and she said, we've got to pass the bill so we know what's in the bill. That makes sense, doesn't it? And of course, if you remember, it was 1,300 pages long. It came out, and four days later, they demanded that we vote on it. There was no way. There was not one person that would admit that they had read that entire bill before they voted on it and passed it. And the president signed it into law. Speaking of Nancy Pelosi, she's out making the rounds on the news stations over the weekend. And of course she headed over to CNN, the state of the union. And she said this, this came out of nowhere. When I saw this, I just kind of went, huh? In the midst of everything we have going on, what the heck is this about? Dana Bash said, one of the challenges that Democrats might have in organizing is some anger in some corners of the progressive movement over Biden's support for Israel in its war against Hamas terrorists. How concerned are you, especially since we've seen protesters and protest over and over and over? How concerned are you that young Americans, progressives, 
I'm not suggesting they might vote for Donald Trump, but how concerned are you that they might stay home? Pelosi said, I've been the recipient of their exuberance as recently as in Seattle on Thursday, unfortunately, wanting to disrupt our very exciting Democrat meeting there. They're in front of my house all the time. I have a feeling for what feelings they have. We have to think about what we're doing. What we have to do is try to stop the suffering in Gaza. This is women and children and people who don't have a place to go. So let's address that. For them to call for a ceasefire is Mr. Putin's message. Mr. Putin's message. Make no mistake, this is directly connected to what he would like to see. Same thing with Ukraine. It's about Putin's message. I think some of these protesters are spontaneous and organic and sincere. Some are connected to Russia. I say that having looked at this for a long time, Dana Bash said, you think some are Russian plants? Pelosi said, I think some financing should be investigating. I want to ask the FBI, to investigate them. Wow. Where did that come from? Nancy Pelosi. That would almost make sense. If you think about it, especially in light of the fact that we found $39 million that we sent to Ukraine for ammunition, buy ammunition, and it got sucked off to the side by the government itself who transferred it to an overseas Entity, unnamed, by the way. Oh, man, they got away with that. 39, we're so sorry. But hey, while we're talking about it, have you about, you got about 60 billion? We really need to get some more equipment. You know, things like uh, ammunition. The verdict is in. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Oh, are we at the gas station? Ow. Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. <laughs> Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Raid Shadow Legends. I mean... <laughs> you pick your champions, they're glorious, and their shields, oh, they glisten like uh, wet otters. But the bad guys, they're Lovecraftian, they're spooky, they're um, um, big. And then you go to battle, and it's like... And finally, your foe is vanquished, and that satisfaction is such a primal feeling. Ooh, download Raid Shadow Legends. Play for free. Ready to take your Jenga skills to the next level? If you're an all-star at building towers and balancing blocks, then build up the competition in new Jenga Maker. Play in teams to finish first and claim the crown. 
Jenga and new Jenga Maker. Reach the top of your game. Each sold separately. The Speaker of the House lies. The media swear to it. The President of the Senate obstructs. The media are all over the place, but totally divorced from the truth. So let's get back to navigating this Stygian River with, again, Dan Newman. So speaking about Nancy Pelosi, it's kind of unusual. We've got a little bit something new and different coming from Governor Gavin Newsom from California. It's her nephew. Did you know that? Blood in the water. (laughs) Governor Gavin Newsom said yesterday on This Week on ABC, Democrats should be worried about those third-party candidates coming up in the election. John Carl was the host of the show. He said, how worried are you about a third party? There'll be multiple third-party candidates. So it doesn't take a lot. I know a third-party candidate isn't likely to get elected or beat either way. But, I mean, how worried are you? Newsom said, spoilers. Carl, yeah, how worried are you about that? I have to be, Newsom said. I'm worried. But you know what? You've got to control the controllables. Got to control what you have to control. Right now, it's getting the vote out. Carl said, do you think it's a mistake then for Democrats to try to keep these third-party candidates, no labels, and the others off the ballot? Newsom, yeah, I think when you, uh, again, when you try to suppress choice and voice, it tends to backfire. Carl, especially when you're talking about the importance of democracy, you try to keep people off the ballot. Newsom, yeah, so I don't get consumed by that. And I'm not here on behalf of the Biden administration thinking about that. I'm a simple guy. But what I mean by that is I look at, for example, let's look at no labels. I took the time. I encouraged people to talk, look up what are they for. And I thought, wow, this literally reads as the accomplishment list of the Biden-Harris administration. So they're a solution in search of a problem I respectfully submit. Carl said, you've taken on this fight with some of the red state governors, obviously Ron DeSantis, Newsom, I appreciate you noticing, Carl, and you said you did it because you didn't think Democrats were fighting hard enough. Does that include the Biden administration? Newsom, it was a year. It was a year and a half ago, and I don't feel that way anymore. Absolutely not. In other words, Newsom, uh, he got a little upset about some of the uh, Democrat stuff that was going on in the current administration and a up-and-coming potential presidential candidate running in the uh, Democrat Party side of an election in upcoming years. You can't go after the current Democrat president that you have in office and do something like tell the truth. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, it just gets deeper and deeper. Who is telling us the truth? Well, let me tell you another little truth. While we're right here at the end of the show, we've been talking about all things, all the issues in our government. Federal authorities caught a terrorist at the U.S. southern border, and they released him into the country. He roamed around our nation, a terrorist, an actual terrorist. 
He roamed around our nation freely for 18 months before being arrested in Minnesota last week. This is from a internal federal memo. The unnamed individual who the memo only identifies as a member of the Somali terror group Al-Shabaab, which is one of the most violent terrorist groups on the planet. These are the people that go in and they slaughter men, women, children with knives cutting off their heads. He was released shortly after being caught illegally crossing at the southern border near San Ysidro, California in 2023. This is from the memo. The terror screening center deemed him a mismatch after they ran his name through the terror watch list, which was sent to Immigration and Customs Enforcement officials. But on January 18th of 2024, the terror screening center made a redetermination that this guy was a confirmed member of Al-Shabaab and was involved in the use, the manufacture, or transport of explosives or firearms. Two days later, ICE nabbed the Al-Shabaab member in Minneapolis. Border Patrol, remember, caught 172 terror watch list suspects attempting to enter our country illegally during fiscal year 2023. That's one year, 172. It took 19 to take down the Twin Towers. In one year, we have 172 of them. What the heck are they here doing, right? Former Homeland Security officials say this deluge of illegal immigrants hitting our southern border, it's making it easier for bad actors to slip into our country. Many within the Biden administration, including Mayorkas, have repeatedly assured us that the vetting process at the border is comprehensive and complete. This is coming from a retired ICE field director who now sits on the National Immigration Center for Enforcement on their board. But we continue to see alarming instances where terrorists are able to freely roam the nation for months after being released at the border before their criminal and terrorist histories come to light. Now, if you're investigating people fully when they come across, why don't you get that? You're telling us, oh, we've got all this stuff on these people. And they're just crystal clear. It's because they're lying to the American people. It's not that way. They're not vetting them. But yet, they keep on keeping on, don't they? Well, that brings the Monday show to a close. Thank you for being here. Thanks for joining us today. Share this show with somebody you know and love. You can, as you grab a copy of it, you can just forward it to your friends and tell them, hey, you may not be listening to all two hours at one time, but this is worth listening to. I'd appreciate that. We would here, and your friends would too. Back tomorrow, lots left on the table today we couldn't even get to. We'll get to that and more tomorrow here at TNN Live, starting 9 a.m. Central Time tomorrow morning. We'll see you there. It's so important to make someone happy. Make just one someone happy. Make just one heart-to-heart you. 
sing to one smile that cheers you, one face that lights when it nears you, one girl you're, you're everything to fame. If you win it, comes and goes in a minute. Where's the real stuff in life to cling to? Love is the answer. Someone to love is the answer. Once you've found her, build your world around her. Make someone happy. Make just one someone happy And you will be happy too